chapter 1, verses 16 to 28 is our passage for this morning as we finish up looking at some of these therefore passages that we said that we would see or that we'd take a look at out of the New Testament. What I'm hoping to do is up until the time when we're approaching uh, celebrating of Christ's birth in the next few weeks, I'll take on a few more passages out of 1 Samuel to deal with the exploits of David. Then I'm hoping, Lord willing, from then to take some passages out of the Gospels, particularly, as I recall it, out of John, where Jesus speaks about his being sent by the Father, as we think about Christ coming to earth as he did and the purposes for that. So those are things for us for which we can be looking forward, Lord willing, in the weeks to come. So we finish up with James chapter 1, 16 to 27, 16 to 27, I think I said 28, so sorry about that, but it's 27 as we see some therefores coming to play again in this passage, right, a therefore. So let's take up verse 16. Uh, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And therefore put away, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a doer, a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We thank the Lord for this portion of his word and we can read it publicly be a blessing to us this day. The congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I mentioned this a little bit already when we were talking about the law, that it's very evident in the world around us, and we pray about that, we're mindful of it, we're, we're sensitive to it, that there's a lot of destructive activity that takes place in the world. Acts of brutality, acts of destruction that, ha- that occur by the hands of men. And it reminds us in a lot of these places where we see this, that that kind of destructive way of life is not something that we should be finding ourselves 
blaming God for. I think a lot of people like to commonly, superficially make that kind of argument, right? There's all this kind of destruction in the world and, and God's out there with his power and his might and his goodness and uh, he doesn't do anything about it. It's his fault. It doesn't have to be like this. And yet the scriptures never put it that way, which is most important. God doesn't put it that way. The destruction of that we see that occurs so often in the world is so often an indicator that people are without God and without hope in the world. And they are in the opposite situation of a Christian who's been put in the places where he or she has been placed because God has come into their lives through Jesus Christ by the blessing of the Spirit through the Word so that they might have life and have life to the full. And as Christians, then, we don't find our hope in ourselves because if we were, all we would have is destruction and death. But we put our help and our hope in the God who provides. And he doesn't provide the destruction of sin, but the production and the fruitfulness of life through his gospel word. So that, thank God, when we profess this, we are no longer children of the world, but we're children of the Father in Jesus Christ. We're children, as our passage reminds us, of the word of the Father. And so we focus on that theme this morning, that we're, where we're called to find ourselves, as we look at ourselves, as we see what goes on in the world, to rejoice in, to find ourselves to be children of the Word as children of the Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. And we see that as, a, as children of the Father, we are born by the Word in this passage. We're hearers of the Word and we're doers of the Word. One is, very, is somewhat passive, right? But the other two are more active. We're born by the Word, we're hearers of the Word, and we're doers of the Word. So we look, first of all, at the fact that we should be rejoicing, uh, giving thanks to God, like we sing in the song, we plow the fields and scatter the good seed all on the land. We say all good gifts around us are sent by heaven above, so thank the Lord for his love. Oftentimes that's a song that's sung at Thanksgiving time, and very appropriately so, and it comes from this passage that we look at. Earlier in, in the letter, the counsel is given that if we find ourselves tempted and enticed unto sin, that we have nobody to blame but ourselves because it arises from within. And certainly we should not be blaming God for it because God tempts no one. But in stark contrast to the self-deceived desires of our own will, and of course that's what James is telling us here, don't be deceived, don't be sitting there and putting blame on God, or thinking that the way of, of deceit and sin is the way to go. But in stark contrast to that self-deceived self -deceive desires that make you think, oh yeah, that's, that's going to be the life to live, of our own will, where we in our temptations and our sins carry ourselves along in these death-producing and destructive paths, that are evident to see, not just out there, but can be seen whenever we sin. We find the very opposite with God. 
Because not only does God not tempt us unto death, but what he does instead is that he gives his word, as our passage would say to us, to bring forth life. The passage speaks to us about of his own will. He brought us forth. He bore us. We're born again by him, by his own will. And he uses the word of truth to do that. Which he implants in us, and which we are to receive with meekness. But by our own will and desire, you see, we give rise and we give birth to sin and death. That's where everything leads. Left to ourselves. But but by God's own will, by God's own will, we're born again by his word. And so then we hear that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. And we often think about that in Thanksgiving when the crops are in and, and we ponder again about what God is, all the good gifts that God has given to us. And that's rightly done by us. Because all the good things that we have are things for which we need to be thanking the Lord because he's the one that has supplied Remarkably, though, James had also called us to consider it all joy when trials come our way. Because of the way that God uses even those things to produce, to make productive in us what he wants to see happening in us and what he wants to see happening in us is depending on him all the more through the trial. Because when we are finding ourselves leaning on the everlasting arms, we're finding ourselves where we need to be. We find ourselves in the blessed place. We're finding ourselves in that fruitful area our passage, the good and perfect gifts, include the gift of regeneration. You say, when, when he turns us from being nothing more than these death-birthing people because of our sin into a new creation. Because he calls us here the first fruits of his creatures. We should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We've become new creations. We, we have this new heart, this new attitude, birthed by God, by his will, and a new way then of looking at life. Not one that all we're thinking about is destroying and being destructive, and being self-absorbed, but a new way of looking at life. from Away from the enslavement of sin to the freedom of serving the Lord fruitfully. Because we get described, when we're Christians, as the first fruits, that produce of his creatures. It's the first of the good things to come. 
The anticipation of what will happen to the entire creation one day, you see, is found in how God is working graciously, revolutionarily, in His changing of us through the Word of Truth. And there's a sinful culture out there that is tempting us to spoil it all. To soil it. To be filthy. To be destructive. To destroy us and to cause us to be destructive. But when we're new creatures in Christ, see, now we've been given the, the opportunity and the privilege of serving God productively wherever you go today. And wherever you go throughout your lives. And that's life. And that new creatureliness, being born again, you see, in that way that you see that yourself as a Christian, is representative, it's representative of the very hope that we have in, in, in Jesus Christ. That, that new inheritance, that, that new heavens and new earth, that new creation that's awaiting the people of God, but, but that's, that's ours to know already in our very being. And that's a good place to be. We then as Christians, or when we become so, are no longer the destructive people of the world as old creatures, because we're not old creatures anymore. We become the productive people of the Word. It's new creatures. We're children of the Father. We're children of the Word. We're brothers and sisters one to another. Of the truth and, and not the children of lies and, and deceit and death, which the devil wants to foster as the father of lies. Now, we're not born to die anymore, and we're not born to destroy and merely to take, but we're born to live and, and to produce for the Lord. And that's a great place to be. And so we rejoice in that God. We come here as we do on the Lord's Day, and we praise Him for that. We've had the entire week to go out and serve God in those productive ways wherever it is He put you. You come here and you praise Him for that privilege that came to you because you've been renewed, you've been transformed, you have been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ to that purpose. And so we praise him for that. We praise him for that grace because we are hereafter called to be a people humbled by what God has done for us that we could not do and rejoice in him rather than accuse him of the destructive things that are going on in the world. Because it's humanity's to blame for that. And what he's done is he's come to save us from that. With the gospel word of God.
it's that God that has equipped us for the trials then that we have to face all along the way too, as new creatures. In order that we might thank him for the gifts that he gives us to face those trials. And so instead of being mad at God, we instead rejoice in him. Because he, he endows us and he equips us as we need as new creatures in Jesus Christ. Whether it's the everyday things that we're doing or the extraordinary things that come our way that cause us a moment to pause. So how are we going to handle this? Well, we're going to handle it through the very same God who is the one who renewed us in Jesus. So if we've been reborn by this word, as part of the family of God, as beloved brothers, as James puts it, he says then we're going to be hearers of the word. Right? And that's what our passage says too. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to, to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. We praise him for his work in us. We, we also find ourselves, though as those who recognize that we've been reborn by his word, that we are to be hearers of his word. And we're reminded here that we're, you see, we're part of the family of God as beloved brothers. And he says one of the qualities of children of the word is that they are more hearers than they are speakers. Particularly with regard to the word of God. Just like the boys and girls who are here today. Boys and girls, you know that in your household, that in the places where you're living and you're with your mom and dad, you know this, don't you? That you need to be more hearers of your parents than speakers to your parents, right? They tell you what to do and you say, okay. You don't say much. The little you say is in response to them because you want to honor them. They speak, you listen. Well, that's true for us as Christians. Children of the Heavenly Fathers are, Father are more hearers of Him than speakers to Him in that regard. When trial hits us, when things don't go the way we want them to go, or when we find ourselves in relations with others in the church, or within our neighborhoods, or under the roof of our own family circles, it's easy to take this counsel and flip it around. Isn't it? I'm going to be quick to speak. And I'm going to be quick to anger. And I'm going to be slow to listen. So many of our struggles with others, so no matter who they might be, from, from mankind to God, from those closest to us to those who are not, is when we don't, we're, we don't, we're, we fail to be good listeners. We fail to remember that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason and not the other way around. You know, when we fail in that command, we are quick to spout and we're quick to give our own opinion. And you know how that is today. I think in preaching this 30 years ago, as opposed to preaching this now, I wouldn't have said this 30 years ago. The internet has become a great venue to practice, be quick to spout and quick to to get angry, and quick to give your own opinion, but not quick to listen. Because it's so easy. 
But when we flip God's counsel around here, yeah, we're not quick to hear people out, but we, we stop their talk. We're not quick to keep our cool, and we couple our quick tongue with a quick anger when we flip this. And if we find ourselves doing that as parents, we also find that we're often in the trouble of passing judgment with our kids before we've heard the truth of the matter. And in our sin, we're not always ready to hear all things before we're ready to spout what we think and to, to display our anger in the process. And our passage says that doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. Instead, what it does, it makes things worse because the tongue left to itself is a very destructive weapon, as James would tell us. And so instead of reconciling, which would be a productive thing, we make things worse because we don't want to listen. And people have opinions on matters, but when they, they speak without considering what God has to say about a matter, they speak prematurely. When a trial comes our way, we right away want to say, why does that have to happen to me? We may think and say that God has it out for us. But then he speaks to us and he says, no, 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 that's not the case. We can find ourselves being so busy yelling at God or being bitter with God that we fail to, to hear him speaking from his word. We're slow to listen and quick to speak. And we may then find ourselves getting angry for nothing when we fail to take that command to heart. We certainly aren't accomplishing what God would have us accomplish. We're accomplishing the wrong thing, not the right thing. And when we become children of, of the Father as children of the Word, then we, we become such because we were listeners of the Word which God used to save us as He implanted His Word in our hearts. We've been called to be good listeners as those who have listened to the word of the gospel, but we're also called to listen to him how, in the ways in which we ought to live. Being quick to be angry and quick to be open, to, be, to open big mouths is not productive. And what it'll do instead is it'll cause us to speak in a filthy way, says James. He said, put away all filthiness. Therefore, there's the therefore, right? See, it'll cause all kinds of other wickedness to arise. We call people names. We exaggerate somebody's character. You always do that. You never do this. It'll cause us to break down what God has called us to put together or keep together. A big mouth and a quick mouth doesn't accomplish anything except what's destructive. We need to grow at being good listeners. Even being attentive to the word when it's preached or served to us, you know, as it's read, is something that shows that we're being quick to listen. Because we're called, after all, to receive with meekness, to receive it with meekness, the implanted word. That means we need to pay attention, right? 
we believe it's able to save our souls, we also need to be willing to hear it so that we'll deal wisely with other people and productively and, and, and certainly react wisely to, to, to God and all the things that we have to face in the world that doesn't come to us by chance but by his almighty hand. Of course, we also hear here, don't we, that, that once we're hearers, the next step is not so much talking, isn't it? It's not like you say, okay, well, now I've heard it, now I get to talk. No, it's not the talking, it's the walking. Not so much what we say, but what we do. Because that's what our passage carries on to say. But, be doers of the word. It's one thing to hear what God says, it's another thing to carry it out. James says, it would be odd, and boys and girls, you know this too, if you're looking at a mirror, it'd be odd for you to look at the mirror in your bathroom and then walk away and your mom and dad said, who did you see in the mirror? And they said, well, I saw my sister. Well, maybe she was standing there next to you. But if it was you alone looking in the mirror, you saw yourself. And he says that would be odd if you forgot what you look like stepping away from the mirror. And he says the same thing's true when we look at what God wants us to do in accordance with his law. When we look at the law, we've talked about this before, we see different persons, don't we? We see the greatness and the goodness of God. We see Jesus Christ who kept the law perfectly for us, holy and perfectly. But we see ourselves. And then we see our calling in our life, a productive calling in life. A thankful, productive calling in life. And we see freedom in the law because we see what God would have us be. He's not out to get us. God's not there to cramp our style or shackle us. That's what disobedience does. And to think otherwise, our passage says again, that's, that's just a self-deceiving to think like that. In our temptation, we think that if we can do what we want, then we'll be free. But the real freedom is to do as new creatures in Christ what God wants us to hear and what God wants us to do. So it reminds us that it's not just a good thing to hear that we should pray for each other, but that we do pray. You know, you don't just, you get the prayer line and you get the prayer line just so you can be up on the latest news. <laughs> well, it's nice to be up on the latest news, but the purpose for that, it's so that you can be praying about the latest news. And, and we don't merely hear that we ought to praise God. Say, yeah, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. But then we ought to follow up and do it. We hear that we should forgive, but then it's another thing to do it, right? To forgive others who seek it, and then we don't grant it? Forgiveness is a good thing, but I'm not giving it. It's good to be generous, but then what will I be? To honor mom and dad. You know, I hear that every week. I've got to honor my father and my mother. I know, that's a good thing. But am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? I need to watch what I say. I need to be quicker to listen and slower to speak. I need to shed myself of my filth. I need to edify people with what I say because I, I, I so much understand that there's so many times that when things come out of my mouth, the only reason I say it is because I don't like something. 
Do you ever say anything because you do like something? To edify? To speak to people and not about people? Well, then I better not be doing that anymore, and I better be speaking to them and not about them. Because otherwise, our religion is worthless, our passage would tell us. It doesn't coincide with the regenerated way that the Lord uses, not just to make us his children in Christ through the gospel and by grace, but then also the children of God in Christ by how we act. He says, worthwhile religion is visiting orphans and widows. Now, we don't have a lot of orphans and widows. We have those adopted. We thank God for those who are willing to do that. But God has always been an advocate of the widow and the orphan because they were in need. Right? What concerns God is what should concern God's people. That's the, that's the point. That's like calling to be reflections of, of him, to be children of the Father. And, and sometimes visiting widows may not always seem like the glamorous act of religion. Right? You're not going to the deepest, darkest Africa to save the world. You're not on television that all these people can see you as you are evangelizing. Now those things need to happen, can happen too, but, but caring for those in your own backyard is worthwhile religion. You and I can hear the word quite a bit. And God is, but God is always asking us, so, so what are we doing with it? Right? Going to visit someone who's in need in the fellowship may not seem like a big adventure. But God thinks of it so much that he calls it true religion. True religion is also about being different from the world as children of the word and reflecting God then in the process. God cares about the widow and the orphan and so should we. Of course, we can be different in the world than the world in so many ways. In the world, but not of it. We want to find ourselves teaching our children and seeing to it that our children are being taught by people who believe that this world belongs to Him. We want to make the worship of God a priority. We want to be diligent and, and, and just to others in the workplace. We don't want to pull the wool over people's eyes. We want to work hard. And you people work hard. Let me tell you, I know that. We want to live with hope as we view life and death. We, we don't want to live in hopelessness all our life. That's not our calling. Or that money's the end of life. Or sports is the end of life. Or jobs are the end of life. Or, or drunkenness. Or being lazy. Or or holding grudges, that that's what people know us for. Or that violence and destruction and brutality is the end of life. Or selfishness, or that worry is the end of life. All my life, that's what I do. And we don't want to treat marriage like we want, or think we can treat our wives the way that we want. Because we're men, and we are the heads of the household, and they will do our bidding. We're not going to be tyrannical. Or that women shouldn't trust their husbands as heads of homes or, 
or allow them to, to lead as, as heads of homes, as men. As children, we want to be different too. We want to trust our parents. We want to be good listeners to them. We don't want to be quick to speak and quick to be angry. Slow listeners. Because we want to be different. Different from the world. Because we want to be known not as children of the world. Children of the Word. Children of the Heavenly Father in Christ. And we'll be that way. When the word that we hear and that we claim has made us different and new will make us more and more different from the world. Givers and not takers, joyous and willing to obedient, be, be obedient, productive in the world. And we want to show to others, no matter who they are, that our religion isn't worthless and useless. But it's powerful and productive and fruitful. Because we're reflecting the God who made us free. Who made us new. Who made us different. And he's spoken to us as to how we ought to live before him and before others in a most fruitful way. So we ask ourselves the question, whose child are we as we sit here or stand here? <laughs> are we a child of the world or a child of the word? Do we have a useless religion? Or is it a useful and productive one? If we're a child of the Heavenly Father in Christ, whose word is steady and sure, we rejoice in how he has used that word to make us new. In Jesus. And to be hearers of the word. And to take what we have heard to our walk of life. More than merely our talk of life. Because in those ways we show to the world that we're children of the Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. We're children of the word. And not children of the world. What a blessed way to live. Isn't that true? What gospel we have in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's good to be able to hear from your word again. And for us, as we're sitting here and we ponder things that are destructive and death-producing, and, and then we think about what our calling is, to be children, not of the world that way, but children of the word, born anew by the gospel in Jesus Christ to be hearers of that same word so that we could go out in the world in which we live and live fruitful lives as anticipations of the great new creation that one day will be ours to know when Christ returns. What a blessed way for us to live. Oh Lord, may we find ourselves living that way, not as children of the world, but children of the word. We pray that you would hear us in Christ.